0: Section fifteen of the Book of the Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume eleven. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Book of the Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume eleven, by Anonymous, Translated by Richard Francis Burton. The Eighth Day. OF ENVY AND MALICE When it was the eighth day, the wazirs all assembled, and had speech together, and said, How shall we do with this youth, who overcometh us with his much talk? Indeed, we fear lest he be saved, and we fall into destruction. So let us all go into the king, and unite our efforts to gain our cause, ere he appear without guilt, and come forth and get the better of us. Accordingly they all went in to the king, and prostrating themselves before him, said to him, O king, beware lest this youth ensorcel thee with his sorcery, and beguile thee with his wiles. And thou heardest what we hear, thou wouldst not suffer him to live, no, not a single day. Wherefore heed not his speech, for we are thy ministers, who endeavour for thy permanence. And if thou hearken not to our word, to whose word wilt thou hearken? See, we are ten wazirs who testify against this youth that he is guilty, and entered not the king's sleeping-chamber save with ill-intent, so he might put the king to shame and outrage his honour. And if the king slay him not, let him banish him his realm, that the tongue of the folk may desist from him. When the king heard his minister's words, he was wroth with exceeding wrath, and bade bring the youth. And when he came in to the king, the wazirs all cried out with one voice, saying, O lackwits, thinkest thou to save thyself from slaughter by guile and slight, that thou wilest the king with thy talk, and hopest pardon for the like of this mighty great crime thou hast committed? Then the king bade fetch the sworder, so he might smite his neck, whereupon each of the wazirs fell to saying, I will slay him, and they sprang upon him. Quoth the youth, O king, consider and ponder the eagerness of these thy ministers. Is this of envy, or is it not? They would fain make severance between me and thee, so there may fall to them what they shall plunder as aforetime. And the king said to him, Consider their witness against thee. The young man said, O king, how shall they testify of that which they saw not? This is but envy and despite. And thou, and thou slay me, wilt indeed regret me, and I fear lest there betide thee of repentance that which betided Aylan Shah by reason of the malice of his wazirs. Asked Azad-Bacht, and what is his story? And the youth answered, Here, O king, the story of Aylan Shah and Abu Tamam. While um, there was a merchant named Abu Tamam, and he was a clever man and a well-bred, quick-witted and truthful in all his affairs, and he was moneyed to boot now there was in his land a king as unjust as he was jealous and abu tamam feared for his wealth from this king and said i will remove hence to another place where i shall not be in dread so he made for the city of ailan shah and built himself a palace therein and transporting his wealth thither took up his abode there presently the news of him reached king ailan shah so he sent to invite him to his presence and said to him we know of thy coming to us and thine entering under our allegiance, and indeed we have heard of thine excellence and wit and generosity. So welcome to thee, and fair welcome. The land is thy land, and at thy command, and whatsoever need thou needest of us, tis already accomplished to thee, and it behoveth that thou be near our person and of our assembly. Abu Tamam prostrated himself before the king, and said to him, O king, I will serve thee with my monies and with my life, but do thou excuse me from nearness to thee for that an i took office about thee i should not be safe from enemies and enviers then he applied himself to the royal service with presents and largesses and the king saw him to be intelligent well-bred and of good counsel so his heart inclined to him and he committed to him the ordinance of his affairs and the power to bind and to loose was in his hand Now Ailan Shah had three wazirs, in whose hands public affairs were wont to be, and they had been accustomed not to quit the king night or day. But they became shut out from him by reason of Abu Tamam, and the king was occupied with him to their exclusion. Herewith the ministers took counsel together upon the matter, and said, What is your read we should do, seeing that the king is occupied from us with yonder man, and indeed he honoureth him with more honour than us? But now come, let us devise some device whereby we may alienate him from the king. So each of them spoke forth that which was in his mind, and one of them said, The king of the Turks hath a daughter, whose like there is not in the world, and whatso messenger goeth to demand her in marriage, him her father slaughtereth. Now our king hath no knowledge of this. So come, let us foregather with him, and bring up the mention of her. When his heart is taken with her, we will advise him to dispatch Abu Tamam to seek her hand in marriage, whereupon her father will slay him and we shall be quit of him and settle his affair once for all. Accordingly, they went in to the king one day, Abu Tamam being present among them, and mentioned the affair of the damsel, the daughter of the Turk's king, and enlarged upon her charms till the king's heart was taken with her, and he said to them, We will send one to demand her to wife for us, but who shall be our messenger? quoth the wazirs, There is none fit for this business but Abu Tamam, by reason of his wit and good breeding. And the king said, Indeed, even as ye say, none is fitting for this affair save he. Then he turned to Abu Tamam, and said to him, Wilt thou not go with my message, and seek me in marriage the daughter of the Turk's king? And he answered, To hear is to obey, O my sovereign. So they made ready his affair, and the king conferred on him a robe of honour and he took with him a present and a letter under the king's hand, and setting out, fared on till he came to the capital city of Turkestan. When the king of the Turks knew of his coming, he dispatched his officers to receive him, and entreated him with honour, and lodged him as befitted his rank. Then he guested him three days, after which time he summoned him to his presence, and Abu Tamam went in to him, and, prostrating himself as beseemeth before kings, laid that present before him, and gave him the letter. The king read the writ, and said to Abu Tamam, We will do what behoveth in the matter. But, O Abu Tamam, needs must thou view my daughter, and she view thee, and needs must thou hear her speech, and she hear thine. So saying, he sent him to the lodging of the princess, who had had notice of this, so that they had adorned her sitting-room with the costliest that might be of vessels of gold and silver and the like. AND SHE SEATED HERSELF ON A CHAIR OF GOLD, CLAD IN THE RICHEST OF ROYAL ROBES AND ORNAMENTS. WHEN ABU Tamam ENTERED, HE TOOK THOUGHT, AND SAID, THE WISE DECLARE THAT WHOSO GOVERNETH HIS SIGHT SHALL SUFFER NOT UNRIGHT, AND HE WHO GUARDETH HIS TONGUE SHALL HEAR NOT OF FOUL TAUNT, AND HE WHO KEEPETH WATCH OVER HIS HAND, IT SHALL BE LENGTHENED AND NOT SHORTENED. SO HE ENTERED, AND SEATING HIMSELF ON THE FLOOR, cast down his eyes, and covered his hands and feet with his dress. Quoth the king's daughter to him, Raise thy head, O Abu Tamam, and look on me, and speak with me. But he spake not, neither raised his head, and she continued, They sent thee only to view me and talk with me, and yet behold thou sayest not a word, presently adding, Take of these union pearls that be round thee, and of these jewels and gold and silver but he put not forth his hand to aught and when she saw that he paid no heed to anything she was angry and cried they have messaged me with a messenger blind dumb deaf then she sent to acquaint her father with this whereupon the king called abu tamam to him and said to him thou camest not save to view my daughter why then hast thou not looked upon her quoth abu tamam i saw everything and quoth the king why didst thou not take somewhat of that which thou sawest of jewels and the like indeed they were set out for thee but he answered it behoveth me not to put out my hand to aught that is not mine when the king heard his speech he gave him a sumptuous robe of honour and loved him muchly and said to him come look at this well so abu tamam went up to the pit mouth and looked and behold it was full of heads of the sons of adam and the king said to him these are the heads of envoys whom I slew, because I saw them without loyalty to their lords, and I was used, whenas I beheld an envoy without good manners, to say, He who sent him is worse mannered than he, because the messenger is the tongue of him who sendeth him, and his breeding is of his master's breeding, and whoso is after this fashion, it befitteth not that he be akin to me. For this reason I used to put the envoys to death, but as for thee— thou hast overcome us and won my daughter, of the excellence of thy manners. So hearten thy heart, for she is thy lord's. Then he sent him back to King Ailan Shah with presents and rarities and a letter, saying, This that I have done is in honour of thee and of thine envoy. When Abu Tamam returned after accomplishing his mission, and brought the presents and the letter, King Ailan Shah rejoiced in this, and redoubled all his favours, and showed him honour the highest. Some days after, the king of Turkestan sent his daughter, and she went in to King Aylan-Shah, who rejoiced in her with exceeding joy, and Abu Tamam's worth was exalted in the royal sight. When the wazirs saw this, they redoubled in envy and despite, and said, "'And we contrive us not a contrivance to rid us of this man, we shall die of rage.' So they bethought them, and agreed upon a device they should practice. Then they betook themselves to two boys, pages affected to the service of the king, who slept not but on their knee, and they lay at his head, for that they were his bedchamber pages. So the ministers gave them each a thousand dinars of gold, saying, We desire of you that ye do somewhat we require, and take this gold as a provision against your time of need. Quoth the lads, What is it you would have us do? and quote the wazirs, This Abu Tamam hath marred matters for us, and if his case abide in this way, he will remove us all from the king's favour. And what we want of you twain is that, when ye are alone with the king, and he leaneth back, as he were asleep, one of you say to his fellow, Verily, the king hath taken Abu Tamam into high favour, and hath advanced him to exalted rank, yet he is a transgressor against the king's honour, and an accursed wight then let the other of you ask and what is his transgression and let the first answer he outrageth the king's honour and saith the king of turkestan was used when a messenger went to him to seek his daughter in marriage to slay him but me he spared because she liked me and by reason of this her sire sent her hither for that she loved me then let the other say knowest thou this for truth and let the first reply by allah This is familiar to all the folk, but of their fear of the king they dare not divulge it to him, and as often as the king is absent a hunting or a wayfaring, Abu Tamam cometh to her and is private with her. Whereupon the boys answered, We will say this. Accordingly, one night, when they were alone with the king and he leaned back, as he were asleep, they said these words, and the king heard all, and was like to die of fury and despite. And said to himself, These are young boys not come to years of discretion and have no business with any, and unless they had heard these words from some one, they had not spoken thereof each with other. When it was morning wrath overmastered him so that he stayed not, neither deliberated, but summoned Abu Tamam and taking him apart said to him, Whoso guardeth not the honour of his liege lord, what deserveth he? Said Abu Tamam, He deserveth that his lord guard not his honour. Ailan Shah continued, And whoso entereth the king's house, and playeth traitor with him, what behoveth unto him? And Abu Tamam replied, He shall not be left alive. Whereupon the king spat in his face, and said to him, Both these deeds hast thou done. Then he drew his poinard on him in haste, and smiting him in the belly, slit it, and Abu Tamam died forthright whereupon the king dragged him along and cast him into a well that was in his palace. After he had slain him, he fell into repentance, and mourning increased, and chagrin waxed sore upon him, and he would acquaint none who questioned him with the cause, nor, of his love for his wife, did he tell her of this, and whenever she asked him wherefore he grieved, he answered her not. When the wazirs knew of Abu Tamam's death, they rejoiced with exceeding joy, and knew that the king's sorrow arose from regret for him as for ailan shah after this he used to betake himself by night to the sleeping chamber of the two boys and spy upon them that he might hear what they said concerning his wife as he stood one night privily at the door of their chamber he saw them spread out the gold between their hands and play with it and heard one of them say woe to us what doth this gold profit us indeed we cannot buy therewith anything nor spend it upon ourselves nay but we have sinned against abu tamam and done him dead unjustly and said the other had we known that the king would slay him on the spot we had not done what we did when the king heard that he could not contain himself but rushed in upon them and said to them woe to you what did ye tell me and they cried aman o king he cried and ye would have pardon from Allah and me, you are bound to tell me the truth, for nothing shall save you from me but soothfastness. Hereat they prostrated themselves before him and said, By Allah, O king, the wazirs gave us this gold and taught us to lie against Abu Tamam, so thou mightest kill him, and what we said was their speech. When the king heard this, he plucked at his beard, till he was like to tear it up by the roots, and bit upon his fingers till he well nigh cut them in twain, for repentance and sorrow that he had wrought hastily and had not delayed with Abu Tamam, so he might consider his case. Then he sent for the ministers and said to them, O oh, villainous Wazirs, ye deemed that Allah was heedless of your deed, but right soon shall your wickedness revert upon you. Know ye not that whoso diggeth for his brother a pit shall himself fall into it? Take from me the punishment of this world and to morrow ye shall receive the punishment of the next world and requital from Allah then he bade put them to death so the headsmen smote off their heads before the king and he went in to his wife and acquainted her with whatso he had misdone to Abu Tamam whereupon she grieved for him with mighty great grief and the king and his household ceased not weeping and repenting all their lives moreover they brought Abu Tamam forth of the well, and the king built him a dome in his palace and buried him therein. "'See then, O auspicious king,' continued the youth, "'what jealousy doth, and injustice, "'and how Allah caused the wazir's malice to revert upon their own necks. "'And I trust in the Almighty that he will empower me "'over all who envy me my favour with the king, "'and show forth the truth unto him. "'Indeed, I dread not for my life from death.' Only I fear lest the king repent of my slaughter, for that I am guiltless of offence, and if I knew that I were guilty on any wise, my tongue would be dumb struck. When the king heard this, he bowed his head groundwards in perplexity and confusion, and said, Restore him to the prison till the morrow, so we may look into his case. End of section 15.